Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're bringing you the final installment of our Black History Month special series, highlighting Black entrepreneurs across diverse fields throughout the month of February. In this episode, we'll hear from Kathy Hughes, who's the founder of Radio One, the largest African-American-owned and operated broadcast company in the United States. But first, the headlines. On Monday, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Alicia Garza, launched a new initiative to build Black political power. It's called the Black Futures Lab, and it seeks to include and engage Black people in the political decisions and policymaking that impacts their lives directly, on the local, state, and federal levels. A new report released last week by scientists from the Environmental Protection Agency reaffirms that environmental racism remains a serious health threat to Black communities across the U.S. The study calculated the burden of pollutants according to economic level, race, and ethnicity. And it found that the burden for Black people is 1.54 times higher than for the overall population. And... This weekend, Michelle Obama revealed the title of her upcoming memoir. It will be called Becoming and will be released on November 13, 2018. The book leads readers through Obama's life, covering her childhood in the predominantly black South Side of Chicago, her legal career, and her eight years as First Lady in the White House. And now here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Kathy Hughes is the founder and chairperson of Radio One, the largest African-American-owned and operated broadcast company in the nation. Hughes has established herself as a media pioneer by dedicating her life to empowering African-Americans to tell stories from their own perspectives. She had humble beginnings in her hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, where she worked at an AM station. But by 1991, she had become the first African-American woman to chair a publicly held and traded corporation. Since then, Hughes has grown her company, now called Urban One Incorporated, into a multimedia conglomerate producing work across a variety of platforms, from radio to television to the digital sphere. Here's Vice's Gary Cook and Nakia Swinton talking with Ms. Hughes on her life, work, and accomplishments. So, Ms. Hughes, to start off, what is Radio One? Radio One is the largest African-American broadcast corporation in the U.S. Uh, We've been in business now uh, since 1980. And so we're coming up on 40 years, in fact. Radio is our parent corporation. 
we've just recently changed the name to Urban One because our uh, dominant um, division is TV One, which is a cable channel. We have Reach Media, which is the largest syndicator of African-American content in the country. We have I1 Digital, which is the number one destination for African-Americans on the Internet. And we have One Solution, which is the company that services uh, the other companies. So you have a very inspiring story. You were a single mom at age 16, and then you purchased your first radio station at age 33. Walk us through how you got to where you are now. Well, I started as the first woman general manager of a broadcasting facility in the nation's capital. I uh, was able to um, attract the attention of Catherine Graham when she was then actively uh, running the Washington Post companies. And she contributed a uh, FM radio station to Howard University. And I was blessed to become uh, the general manager of that radio station. And because of the power of the station that she had uh, given to uh, Howard University and the fact that uh, she was a woman and I was a woman, uh, we were able to really uh, turn the station into something that still exists today that is half training facility for the students of Howard University, the other half being a highly successful financial uh, broadcasting facility. You just mentioned Howard, and I know they just named their communication school after you. Congrats on that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's such an honor because 46 years ago, it was my first job in Washington, D.C. I joined the faculty of Howard University during the same time that Catherine Graham was exploring the possibility of giving the FM. This was during the time when there was a limit on the number of outlets that you could own in a market. And the Washington Post Company owned the television station. They owned the Washington Post. They owned Newsweek magazine. They owned WTOP, which was an all-news station. And they had this FM that was WTOP-FM. But FM had really not had uh, its uh, popularity. It was still fairly new. So Catherine Graham thought that she was giving uh, away one of her lesser performing assets and giving away the FM because WTOPAM was such an institution in the nation's capital. And uh, it turned out to be the premier signal in the District of Columbia. It has the best coverage of any of the FM signals in D.C. Like you said, it is so important to have people who look like us to be seen on the screen and heard on the radio. And I think that it's just as important to get that same type of representation behind the scenes as well. That said, how can we get more people of color into the behind the scenes decision making roles like yours? Right. And uh, those voices and faces in the African-American community represented in a more positive light, because while just about every television channel, be it cable or broadcast television, has some type of black content, oftentimes it's just black folks screaming and hollering and cursing each other out or spending their whole life trying to figure out what they can buy next. I think that the key is not just putting African Americans and women in decision-making positions. I think the key is ownership, because it actually starts from the top and 
comes down from there. And so I don't think that you're going to see a proliferation of African Americans or women in decision-making positions in the media until you see more ownership by people of color and women. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. And I think it's really important for black people to have positive representation in the media, as opposed to us being on camera and just reinforcing these stereotypes. Exactly, exactly. You know, years ago, before you saw the proliferation of uh, black content that we have, on the news in the evening, it always appeared that whenever the reporter would go to get in-the-street comments from someone, regardless of what the issue was, it was always someone black who was not very articulate, uh, oftentimes looked strange, sometimes with rollers in their hair. There was this depiction of, oh, this person saw the fire or this person witnessed the accident or the robbery or whatever the news story was about. But, you know, in the black community, we used to say, why is it consistently that these news stations always find the worst example of our community to put on camera or to put, you know, on the air, uh, even it was if it had been radio? That has just kind of evolved into what you see on TV now, the most popular show uh, for African Americans is Empire, which, you know, has an abusive mother who, you know, has no problems beating her children, cursing them out, sleeping around, doing whatever, and just is outright crazy, 17 years in jail. The second most popular is Power. And that's the story of a drug dealer, and he kills people, and he does all of these, you know, terrible things, and even his children now are involved. (laughs) This is not a realistic depiction of what black life is really about. And yet, you know, conversely, you have so many shows that are so accurate about the portrayal of white family life or white life period. But when it comes to the African-American experience, there's this exaggeration or this fantasy. And unfortunately, a substantial, a sizable percentage of the audiences of both empire and power depicting black people as low lives has a white population. White folks love the shows because, unfortunately, that's how they really think we are. And so it's not until we own our own means of communication can we accurately portray who we really are. I have a saying that I like to share that oftentimes, particularly when I'm teaching a class at Howard or, you know, another, any other university, I say that it is absolute insanity to expect a culture that enslaved us to ever accurately portray us because they could not see us as we really are or they would not have been able to enslave us. You have to see a person as less than human in order to put them in shackles and beat them and make them for almost 400 years work, be starved to death, work for free. So why would you depend on that same group of people It's just because they're in a different generation to accurately portray who you really are. There's an African proverb that goes like this. Until the lion is allowed to write a book, the hunter will always be glorified. Well, those are some really powerful words and statements right there. And I know you just touched on... TV and African-American representation in TV, but going into radio, so we... Excuse me, same with radio. For decades, 
white air personalities pretended that they were black on the radio because black air personalities were not allowed on the radio. And so you had these white personalities like a Wolfman Jack, and there was a whole slew of these radio personalities who would talk what they called back in those days jive. They were hip and cool, and they were trying to sound like they were black because black people were denied those jobs, but yet the music that they were making was so popular with white audiences, just like these television shows that I referenced. What white uh, broadcasters did was hire white disc jockeys and made them sound like and pretend that they were black on the air. What role does radio still play in the black community today? Oh, radio is second only to the black church in the African-American experience and culture. You know, it's so interesting during 9-11 how many of our listeners had the video on their televisions. They were watching 9-11, but they had the volume turned down because they were on the radio with us trying to figure out, you know, what was going on, what should they do. Several years ago, we invested over a million dollars in researching the uh, black uh, radio uh, audience because... There was so little research that was being done on the black consumer, quite frankly, and they were being overlooked. And none of the white advertising agencies had any particular interest. They still very much, uh, unfortunately, have the opinion that they can advertise on white media and reach everybody that, you know, they don't need to. And this is a problem that, you know, African-American media uh, 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 doesn't, you know, have alone. And the Latino-Hispanic community has the same problem. The Asian community has the same problem. It's almost as if advertisers feel that their clients can do a one-size-fits-all when they're trying to reach the consumer market. So we did this research, and this research proved beyond a doubt that uh, black radio was second only to the black church in terms of participants having trust and uh, being the most effective vehicle to reach them because there are individuals, uh, it's a uh, sizable percentage of the black community who listen exclusively to black radio, watch exclusively black channels or black programs, read exclusively black publications. So unless you're willing to do business with those entities, there's no way to reach that consumer base. Do you have any advice for young black people who want to influence the media industry who would like to one day become a maker or an owner? Well, number one, now because of technology, you no longer have to go the traditional routes that I had to go or an Oprah Winfrey had to go. or You can start your own radio station this afternoon on the internet. And if your content is, uh, you know, attractive enough, you can attract an audience. I mean, how many stars have been born on the Internet in the music industry and radio and film? And, I mean, the avenues are there now that never existed before for a person to utilize the benefits of technology as a springboard to, in fact, become an owner. Uh, but, you know, it's it's so interesting because at one time, a bank, for instance, when I went into business uh, 38 years ago, I went to the bank with 
one radio station that I needed to get financed, WOL in Washington, D.C., that is a heritage station. That's why it still has only three call letters. However, you can't get financing on one standalone AM radio station any longer. You can't even get financing on an AM and FM combination because the competition is such now with the deregulation of the Federal Communications Commission that if you don't have a package, if you don't have several radio stations, if you don't have critical mass, you're not going to be able to secure financing. So it's a lot more difficult now. And so I say to young people, if you really aspire to be an entrepreneur, practice on the internet. Well, thank you for that great advice. And clearly, people should be taking your advice because you have many years of success in the entertainment industry, whether it's radio, TV, digital. And with that being said, what are you most proud of? Oh, I really can't identify one area. Each day, uh, yesterday, for instance, we did a um, company-wide cast, um, and uh, we announced a new initiative called Represent. And uh, we really are trying to give our community encouragement now because, as you know, communities of color are under severe attack. Opportunities, even voting rights are being, you know, just stripped away. And so uh, we put our heads together and we came up with a campaign that we thought not only would make us feel better about ourselves and the jobs ahead of us that we have to do, but also those whom we serve. And, uh, you know, the, the campaign is represent yourself, represent your family, represent your country, represent love, represent unity, represent pride. All of these positive affirmations to get people to feel better. There is a critical mass epidemic of depression that has descended upon this country. Uh, And part of it is because no matter what radio station you turn on, what television station you turn on, what newspaper or magazine you turn on, no matter what website you go uh, to, bad news. While we're, you know, every day, every hour, every minute, while we're announcing this campaign to try to lift the morale of our community, a teenager kills 17 people in Florida. You can't continue to bombard the human psyche with all of this bad news and not expect some depression, okay? And the glorification, this whole reality of celebrity worshiping, it's basically escapism. It's wanting to be Kim Kardashian rather than wanting to be Sally Jones. So you fantasize. Uh, Well, while you're busy fantasizing about Kim Kardashian, and she has a billion followers, so, you know, this is not something that I'm just imagining is happening, what are you doing with your own life? What are you doing to, to fulfill your life? Why would you want to be someone other than yourself unless you really did not like yourself? That's a mental health issue. And I do not think that in this country that not only are we not owning up to it and admitting it, we're perpetuating it. We're encouraging it. And that bothers me very much. Well, thank you for those wise words and for speaking with us today. To learn more about Kathy Hughes, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.